Konnichiwa! And hey y'all! I'm Leslie. And I am Laurie. And welcome to Sumo Kaboom! Where we talk about all things sumo. And today we are talking about Konnichi and retirement of sumo wrestlers. But first, I believe we have a sumo joke of the day. Yes! Yes, we do. Brought to you by Malcolm Morrison. He... <laughs> this one... This one I like. I like this one. Why do sumo wrestlers throw salt before a match? Why? Because they're seasoned athletes. But um, I like it. That was silly. <laughs> Thank you, Malcolm. Okay, I have an addition to our goat episode. Yes. From last week. I got some of my material on Hakuho, especially the portions about his autobiography from Chris Sumo on YouTube, who is a sumo writer and reporter who puts out some really fantastic material yeah, he on does. YouTube yeah, yeah, all the time. But he had the gall to upload another video with portions of Hakuho's autobiography the day after we went live on that episode. And it had some more really great info oh. on Hakuho. And so oh. I thought I should put it out. Absolutely. Okay? And thanks, um, Chris Sumo. Yes, thanks for all the hard work you do. Two gals in Texas absolutely love all the material that you're putting out. So basically, Hakuho, he wrote in his autobiography about why he thinks he's been an incredibly successful wrestler. In addition to all of the things we talked about last week, mm -hmm. all those things that make him a great wrestler, Hakuho mentioned in his book that luck played a huge part in his success too, which is really nice to read because humility is just always attractive. Oh, always. it is. Yes. But he's always attractive. Yes. <clears throat> yes, yes. Hakuho mentioned... Ding dong. Ding dong. Doorbell. <laughs> Doorbell. Yes, we do record in a closet. Yeah, we do have four dogs yeah. right outside the door. Yeah. And right now in a quarantine, we're having everything delivered. So that was probably... I don't know. Any number of... Any number of people who are delivering or gloves things. or all sorts of things. <laughs> um, but back to Hakuho. Hakuho mentioned the connections his father had to the professional wrestling world, connections that gave him opportunities when other wrestlers wouldn't have had them. Right. Just reminding our listeners, if you didn't listen to last week, his father was an Olympic winning champion in wrestling, right? Yes, absolutely. Won the silver medal in the Olympics For in wrestling. Mongolia. Yeah. And when Hakuho came to Japan, he was a skinny kid, couldn't get into a stable, but he got a really good letter of rec from a famous Mongolian wrestler to actually get him in the door. So Hakuho said, you know what? That's pretty lucky that I had those connections to get that in the first place. He also mentioned the fact that he, there was another uh, rikishi in his stable from Mongolia that helped him learn Japanese very quickly and was really good to wrestle with. He also talked about how he benefited from other strong competitors and wrestlers that were there before him. But he really mentioned a lot about other Yokozuna that were there as he was climbing up the ranks. And when he got to the top, when he became a Yokozuna himself, those other Yokozuna were forced to retire or had severe injuries or went into retirement those choices cut their success short. And he basically said he was the benefactor of those very lucky opportunities. And I thought, you know what? I should include that 
because that is a big part of his success. The fact that other people wrestling at his level had to retire, had to leave, or were injured. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I like that he states that. I think all of us, whether you look at your life and you think about the successes that you've had, yeah, a lot of them had to do with maybe one person at one time just kind of helping you or giving you a suggestion to do this thing. Mm-hmm. I always think about um, in my in my career of doing theater, I was not successful. Uh, not that I what wasn't successful. I was successful, but like I wasn't on Broadway all the time. And I had friends who were booking Broadway shows. And I had a friend I worked with at this spa. I worked at a spa on Fifth Avenue. It was yeah. a very bougie spa. And he was a massage therapist, but also did a lot of comedy. And he did um, a lot of TV stuff. And that was his side gig and I remember him telling me one day hey you know you should like look into taking improv classes and doing comedy and stuff because you're funny and I was like oh I don't know about that I didn't know anything about it I don't know but I did eventually look into it and that person changed the course of my life Uh in that small way just suggested I take this thing you know and I never really would have thought that unless he really was adamant about me doing that he was like you really should look at it if other things aren't happening you don't know there's another door that might open for you and sure enough it did and I've had a successful career in many different avenues under this umbrella of show business but it was mainly because somebody changed the course by Mm -hmm. by nudging me in a certain direction or other people came up at the same time but I got there first you know so it's yeah well, I'm comparing my life to Hawkeye, which it's very you should. financially we're very very similar. <laughs> Career-wise, you're very similar. Physique-wise, you're very similar. In making a podcast in my parents' closet. Closet. <laughs> <laughs> and living at home with we're, my parents. We're, and your sister. And, and, my and sister. yeah, we're very similar. It's a very similar life. Yeah. Very yeah, similar absolutely. path. No, but I think your point is that we all benefit from lucky breaks here and there, and it's really nice to hear a Yokozuna pay homage to people who helped him get where he is because he's he's experiencing an enormous run of success. Yeah. And well plus deserved. He's pretty great. And I love him in my dreams, so shall we move on to yeah. news flash? I'll never get tired of doing this. I, you shouldn't because it's fabulous. All right. In the news. Guys, there's not much. I was going to say, I can't wait to see what you pull out this week because I couldn't see anything in the news. The only thing that I've seen come down, well, Toyonoshima decided to retire. Who's that? Exactly. (laughs) We've seen him. We've seen him. But, like, he's not at the forefront, you know, of our watching him on TV. What division is he fighting in? Is he? I, I don't. I don't know. I oh, okay. think he slipped rank, and he was now going back and forth between the lower unpaid and if he got a kachikoshi in the last tournament, he was going to be bumped up to salary again. Oh, okay. So, uh, but if you follow Sumo, you've been following him for a long time because he's 37. So he's been fighting for a really long time. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he's been in there for a long time and probably had much more successful years than as of late. But his little daughter had encouraged him to keep going. And he, after the last tournament, decided, well, I didn't get my kachikoshi. I'm not going to get my salary again. I think I'm going to take some time to think about it. So on April the 17th, he decided to retire. But not forever. He's still going to be inspiring younger wrestlers as an elder for the JSA under the name of Izutsu Oyakata. 
Awesome. Yeah, at his Bea, his stable that he was at, he's going to go back and help. So That's great. Yeah. The other news is the tournament seems to still be going ahead, but we don't really think it's gonna, but it could. We're going to, let's just stay positive. Yes. Well, it's interesting. I was just reading this article uh, by John Gunning about... He doesn't think the matches or the tournament should go on. He is, if people don't know, he's this really wonderful commentator and and English language commentator. And he always has a great inside look at what is going on in the sumo world. But he does say that when everything does kind of kick back up, sumo wrestlers are in an interesting place because they've continued practicing, quarantined within their own stable. So a lot of people who play football and baseball, they're just sitting their atrophying not to say they're not working out in their home gyms but they're not playing games every day because they can't Mm -hmm. so sumo has this unique ability to whenever it does kind of start back up they're going to be able to hopefully be in really good shape still because Mm -hmm. this whole time they've been wrestling Mm -hmm. so that's maybe the positive spin on all of this yeah tokyo uh has seen a lot of covid cases in number kind Mm -hmm. of spike as of late so Everyone kind of anticipates it's going to be canceled, but right now, I have heard nothing. So maybe we'll get a tournament. We'll cross our fingers. That's right. And in the meantime, we'll talk about other exciting things, like... The Kanreki Doyoiri. Great. All right. I just wanted to talk a little bit about the history of this, because it's interesting. It's unique to the Japanese culture. I guess other Asian cultures as well celebrate the birthdays, like 60th, Mm -hmm. in a big way. Um, and as Americans, well, I'll talk about it in a second. Anyway, I'll just tell you all about the Kanreki celebration. So have you ever seen the pictures of the old sumo wrestlers wearing their keshomawashi and like a red belt and they're doing their dogyo-iri? Have you ever seen the pictures of that? I have, but I am guessing that most people have not. Well, people who aren't into sumo certainly haven't. But basically what it is, is a retired sumo wrestler at the age of 60 does his dogyo-iri again in front of a crowd of thousands of people because we haven't seen him in a really long time and uh, that's kind of what it is and I saw pictures of that and I thought what is going on why are there these kind of like old old saggy old dudes with uh, their mawashi on and their kesha mawashi doing their doya what is this all about you know and so I looked it up this is called the Kanreiki celebration. And just as an addition, mm-hmm. I haven't seen too many old saggy guys doing this, like the pictures that I've seen. But the ones that I have seen, they're, they're not like really old, ancient looking, saggy no. old men. No. But they're, they don't look but like they don't, they're don't, sumo. They don't self, look they like, don't look like they're twenty years old right. and at the prime of their life filled with muscle and vitality. They just look uh, slightly different. That's right. It is not just a celebration for sumo wrestlers. In fact, it is actually a regular average Joe people kind of uh, celebration. It's just regular people don't put on a Kesha Mawashi and a Mawashi and do any sort of shiko right, stomps right. or Most anything. people don't wear the belt. They right. just have this kind of celebration, right. the 60th celebration. Right. And at my age, you'd never even catch me outside in, in the equivalent of a thong. Oh, you come just, on. You just wouldn't. You oh, just come wouldn't. on. Uh, anyway, it's a performance that they do in front of people. And you are essentially hitting your big 6-0, 60 years old. And as a Japanese person, that is a pretty big 
thing to do. Mm -hmm. That's a big special number. It's a magical number, one filled with good fortune, and it celebrates the childlike rebirth for all of us. So Khan, K-A-N, means return or cycle, and Reiki means calendar. So it's a rebirth or return to the beginning of the cycle of life. The color of red is to be worn by anyone celebrating their Kanreki. Mm -hmm. And as it celebrates good luck, good fortune, and prosperity, and has the ability to drive away bad spirits. And the color red gives protection, actually, to newborn babies. And that's why they have these little red amulets that are given to babies when they're born. They also wear red. And so the same goes with this newly reborn Kanreki celebrant at Mm -hmm. six years old. So it kind of goes back to protecting this new life. Mm -hmm. And in the Japanese culture, they celebrate a renewal of life at 60. Mm -hmm. And I guess our American version would be the the over-the-hill birthday party, where we celebrate with the color of black. 40 or 50. That doesn't seem, no. No, it doesn't seem close at all. But if you all. think about it, it's like this weird, it's not a celebration. It's this macabre way of marking your age where that's what I don't like about American culture. Well, yeah, we give people balloons with and like, like good gravestones luck on, right, on them. That's and horrible. Yeah. But this culture celebrates at 60 what that means. So the five cycles of life take 60 years to complete. So that's why it's age 60. It's based on the ancient Chinese zodiac and was adopted by the Japanese in a similar way by adopting a lunar calendar method of counting years. But it represents the handing down of responsibilities to a new generation, while the older generation gets to reflect upon the past and begin again. It's a rebirth, a second childhood, a second time around. So in normal people's kanreki, they they have a symbolism of passing down like a fan and something else to the next generation. It's when the older generation says, here's the key to the castle. It's yours to maintain. Yes, yeah, like a I'm, passing of responsibility. Yeah, I'm going to peace out and enjoy this second chapter. You guys, the younger generation, gets to take on the bulk of responsibilities. A kanreki doyoiri is when the former Yokozuna performs his traditional doyoiri upon his 60th birthday in a celebration of his longevity. If a Yokozuna is to actually reach the age of 60, he dons a red suna. It's officially called an akatsuna, a.k.a. T-S-U-N-A. And he is flanked by two former or active Yokozuna as his dew sweeper and sword bearer. Okay, so if a Yokozuna is still active as a sumo elder in a stable, he gets to perform his birthday celebration at the Kokogikan. If he's Which not, is? that's the sumo hall. That's like where we see all the sumo wrestling go down. And if he's not, then they usually have it at a different location, such as a hotel, which I think Chiona Fuji had his at a hotel. Mm-hmm. Oh, or, like did he, or did he not? I'm not sure. I think he did. Everybody by the age of 65 has to retire. So I think this gives a nice cushion of time to have them think about what life will look like after they officially retired and they are no longer allowed to be part of sumo. The custom goes back, I imagine people celebrating their Kanreki goes back a very, very long time. But within the sumo world, I could only find recording of these celebrations going back to 1937. Mm-hmm. So it's been a tradition for a, for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. But perhaps prior to that, not recorded in Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. So that's all I have to say about the Kanreki Doyoiri. Well, let me just clarify a few things because I was a bit confused when I started looking at this. So this Doyoiri can only be performed by former Yokozuna. 
not just anyone who is a sumo wrestler right. performs this. You have to be a yokozuna to do the doyo iri, and so to do the one at your 60th, you have to have been a yokozuna. So we haven't had that many people who have done them. Right. And when I went online, I could only find one video of one being performed, even though there have been 10 that I saw recorded that have been performed since the 1930s. I could only find video of one. Who could you, you find? Yeah. You could see, you could see Chiono, no, Chiono Fuji's. You can see Kitanomi. You can? Yeah, because I, I watched it. Okay, so there's two. By the way, Chiona Fuji hit the gym before he did his. Well, and that's why I was going to say he looks great. <laughs> yeah. He looked He's really good. He's also Fuji, the body. I mean, you'd call him the bod. He's the body of all time. Well, and that's kind of what makes his so uh, compelling to watch is knowing that he passed within right. the next year. Right. So you look at his life force which was still so strong in that ceremony and he he was going through each and every motion in that doyo iri at 60 years of age and looking as strong as he was even though the celebration is for good health and good fortune he passed so soon thereafter Mm -hmm. so i was really touched watching the video of his and i was hoping to find more video of the kanreki taihos i really wanted to find taihos because he'd had a stroke and was in a yeah. wheelchair, but he still performed his. Yeah, they said he could do some. Yeah, he could bits. partially do it. And I, I'm really, I would, I have a huge interest in seeing the video of what motions he was still able to perform even post stroke. So if anyone knows where we can find video of Taiho doing that or any of the other videos, I would really love to watch them because I found the one that that I saw incredibly compelling. When I started looking at the Kanreki, it led me into this uh, real question about what happens to sumo wrestlers after they retire. Mm -hmm. And someone lower in the ranks, when they retire, they have the hair cutting ceremony, which I don't believe we really talked about yet. No, maybe we'll cover that another week. Yeah. Because that's a big deal. Yeah, just to give people like an overview. When uh, a sumo wrestler retires, they have this very elaborate ceremony in which... The wrestler sits in a chair and one by one, people come up behind him and cut off his hair strand by strand, especially if they're like a higher ranked wrestler. They cut off their hair strand by strand with golden plated scissors. His top knot. Yeah. And then his stable master comes in at the very end and finishes and cuts off the entire top knot. So it's this, like you can have a parade of 200 people that come in, each cutting one hair, and then the stable master cuts their hair. So they have that ceremony. And then if they're a lower-ranked wrestler, they either go back to normal life, maybe they Mm -hmm. go back to school. Many of them end up in the service industry. They learn to cook in sumo school, so many of them open restaurants, become chefs. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but if you're a Yokozuna, if you are really at the top ranks... You have very different choices. As a Yokozuna, after you retire, you are well taken care of, or can be. You have the choice of being well taken care of by the JSA, by the Japan Sumo Association. Really? And I didn't realize that the JSA is essentially made up of wrestlers that have retired, Mm -hmm. and particularly Yokozuna at the top. But let's say if you're a Yokozuna, when you retire, you can become a stable master, You can Mm -hmm. join the JSA on the board of directors, Mm -hmm. and many eventually become the chairman of the JSA, operations director of the JSA, or even the curator of the Sumo Museum. Some of them start commentating as well. Yeah, there are a few. Kisa Nasata does. Yes, yes, exactly. 
you go from the sumo world into this JSA world quite easily as a yokozuna. And there was I just had a lot of questions about what the JSA is and what it does. It's a not-for-profit institution. By I, the way, I did not, not know. Yes, they're not taxed. I didn't know that. It's kind of <laughs> yeah. like a church. Yes, exactly. It's interesting. Yeah, I'll talk about it a little bit later in one of our Q&A, but I found that little gem. They are not taxed. Oh. Mm -hmm. Well, to be a member of the JSA and have a share in it, by the way, there are 105 shares in the JSA. You either have to buy your way in or you have to inherit in order to train at a sumo stable. So not just anybody can say, I'm going to start a, a sumo stable and train wrestlers. You have to be a member of the JSA to do it. And you either have to spend a lot of money mm -hmm. or you have to inherit it. And shares can only be purchased by wrestlers who reached Komasubi rank or higher mm -hmm. they also have to be a japanese citizen mm -hmm. and each share is of really high value you also get a name that goes along with your share but the most successful yokozuna are offered a one-time membership and they don't have to purchase it or inherit it they're just you know like hey welcome to the club we need you Which if you want to be can here and vote on things they have voting yeah. rights and yeah helping make decisions it's like being on a board of directors yeah about 50% of the members of JSA own a stable, and the ones that don't own a stable are affiliated with one and assist one. So they assist the with training. elders. But it's really common for the senior members of the JSA to own a stable and then pass day-to-day -day management off to someone else. And when that happens, there's a weird switching of names that goes on that's very confusing to this American girl mm -hmm. because... They all assume the same name, right? Well, the... no, your share has a name. Okay. And your share goes with a stable... So it's kind of like the way I kind I try to understand it is let's say Dana School of Dance is down the street. If someone buys Dana School of Dance and they own the stable, then their name would become Dana. And so they have to be known as Dana. But if someone owns the share and they have someone else that that's teaching at the stable, that person has to have the name of Dana. And then you have to change. So there's a lot of info online that's very confusing about, you know, this person used to have this name, but now this person is owning the stable. And so they yeah. have that name. And it's really hard to follow well, as American. Well, also sumo wrestlers, when they retire, assume a new name. Not so. always. Well, but Kasuno Sato did, Toyonoshima did. Yes. They mm -hmm. all, a lot of them do, if they're going to be a sumo elder, they assume a new name. Yes. More recently, they've given people the option of holding on to their names oh. as well. If you're a JSA member, you receive a salary mm -hmm. and you help run sumo events, which I didn't realize. So if you're like a lower member of the JSA, you might be selling tickets outdoors. <laughs> but as you come up in the ranks, you will be directing departments of those sumo events, like operations director. Hmm or something like that. I assume they all get salaries or yes, get paid something? They all get salaries. I didn't know that. Also, if you have to retire or commit suicide, if wrestlers in your stable <laughs> get involved, yes, <laughs> brutal. Get involved in stuff like match fixing, taking drugs, organized crime, things like that. There's a guy, he was a former Yokozuna who tried, he was unsuccessful, tried to commit suicide in 1957 because his wrestlers were involved in such things. Oh, no. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. But then we've got the same people who talk about seppuku, which is when the gyoji disembowels himself for making a I wrong know. call. I guess we're in the same <laughs> category. I know. Yeah, no, this guy, he actually did his kanreki, Tasuna no Hana Kanichi. Tasuna no Hana Kanichi. Yes, well done. 
Uh, he was blamed for the Sumo Association's problems in the 50s and attempted to commit suicide by sword and gas in 1957. Wait, was rescued. Wait. I know. If you can't get it one way, you're going to make sure you get it the other way. And he was unsuccessful? Unsuccessful. So oh. he still had friends that came and got him. Thank but goodness. then he retired. He said, if you want to allow me to kill myself, I'm retiring as the chairman of the Sumo Association. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So there's there must be a ton of pressure that comes along with being in the JSA, especially the Ooh. higher ranks. Basically, when I looked up all of the guys that are listed as having done their con recce, they are all like former chairman of the JSA. They're all former Yokozuna, former chairman. Uh, they went on to curate. They own stables. Like I did not realize when I first started watching sumo that if you're a Zoka- Yokozuna, you wrestle your way to the top, you retire, and then you go into this whole another 30-year career of training people or doing the events or taking care of operations or curating the museum until you're 60 and then you do your kanreki and then at 65, you're done. And then hopefully you still have an association with a stable. But I just didn't realize that the longevity of your career was that long. I thought you were just kind of done whenever you retire and then you raised your kids and you went on to do whatever you were going to do. But that's not it, especially if no. you're very successful well, as a wrestler. Well, if you're very successful, I think that that's the course for you. And it kind of makes sense because when boys come into a stable at age 15, they are given an education. But, for instance, they're not taught how to drive cars. They're not given the higher college education because that's when they're wrestling at age 22, 23. That's when the height of their sport is 19 to 23, 24. So after that, some of the wrestlers might continue and go back and get an education past what they learned in the stable, but it makes sense that they sort of protect their own and make sure that they do have a path, a career path after it, if you are a big successful wrestler. It also helps me understand why traditions don't change very quickly in the sumo world, because if you've been brought up in this tradition, you become a sumo wrestler, and then once you retire, you go into the body that oversees all of the training. Why would you change things? Right. That's what you know. Yeah. It's what you know. It's uh, the world in which you succeeded. Well, and that world is almost monastic. You know, it's like a monastery. You're living, you're breathing, you're eating. Everything you're doing is sumo. So I imagine it's hard to well, step out of that and if you, you tired. If you got to kill yourself if something goes wrong, That's you best not stakes. be changing up the rules. <laughs> right. You best be leaving them just as they is. Right, right, <laughs> right. I found as I was looking at the history of these men that have gone through their konreki, it's also really interesting because some of them became chairman of the JSA and they tried to instigate changes. Some of them were great and some of them were very unsuccessful. Like there was one guy that instigated this rule of fining people in matas, which I hadn't realized happened in kind of like 1988 to 1992 is when he was chairman. And he basically said, anybody that does a mata, I'm going to give you a huge fine to keep matas from happening. Now explain mata for anybody who hasn't been. Sorry. Yes. Uh, So a mata is when the two wrestlers come up, uh, they meet each other for the tachiai, and one of them jumps forward without the agreement of the other one. Right? So it's a false start, essentially. So this one chairman said, we're not going to have any more of those. I'm going to find you big money for that. Doesn't happen so much anymore. It was pretty unpopular, but he tried to instigate that. There was another gentleman who just in 2008 said, 
I'm going to change the rules for the Tachiai. And I, this, this rule is still in place. I'm going to make it so that all the wrestlers have to get their hands down to the ground before the Tachiai. That happened in 2008. Which is interesting because what I talked about last week about uh, Taiho's long run of matches, and you can watch it on YouTube back yeah. to back, all yeah. of them. It was fascinating to me because I was watching and then I was like, neither one of these wrestlers put their hands on the ground. And that's why, because that rule wasn't there then. I wonder why, though. I I actually started looking into this today. I'm going to talk about it next week. Okay, we'll talk good. more about the Tachiai next week because yeah. it's really fascinating. Yeah. But see, I didn't know any. I didn't know that rules could change. I didn't know who was in charge of changing. They just the don't rules. change quickly, right? You know, when something's so steeped in tradition, you you can't change thousands of years of sumo tradition, right? By just because you got a bug up your butt about something. I do, there's a lot I don't know about the sumo world. And what I love about doing this podcast with you is each and every week I get to dive deep into something and find out new things. Like, I didn't know that the chairman of the JSA was a former Yokozuna himself. Had no idea that that man who's been making speeches on the doyo so eloquently was a wrestler himself. Well, look at the sideline judges. I know. They're, some, fa- they're yeah. famous. They, yes. you, you're like, Some oh, of them have been Yokozuna, yeah. too. Yeah. I didn't realize that these wrestlers come up and they wrestle, and then they could fill out all of these different areas around this sport altogether. It's just mm-hmm. so easy to think, oh, they're just a wrestler, and then they leave, and they continue on their life. It's kind of like beauty pageants. You know how so? Because once you're a beauty queen, oftentimes you just can't let go of the <laughs> beauty queen culture, and so therefore you coach young girls in their singing or dancing or their talent, and then their their platform speeches. Oh. I I went to college in Oklahoma. I know all about beauty queens. I Do you know so how many beauty say. queens came through my college? We were like a pageant. Were you guys really? Uh, yeah, we had two Miss Americas. At your college, you had two Miss Americas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I gotta tell My you, at the tiny college school in Oklahoma City was a pageant factory. I'm I gotta serious. tell you, at the college I went to, they were like, "What is a pageant? Yeah, could they we just, just go out hiking now?" Yeah, <laughs> you and I had very different college experiences. Yes, we did. Holy camoly! I On think we that learned note, a little bit about Kanreki celebrations and beauty pageants, <laughs> and random things we keep finding out about. Sumo. So do you have any questions? Yes, I have a question from a listener. His name is Chris Ware, and he lives in Carrollton, Texas. Now he had, which is actually real close to us. Yes, it is real close to us. Okay, so he had a few questions for me, and I hope I answer this as best I can. I I tried to look it all up because I wasn't sure on some of it. He writes, first question, do sumo wrestlers sumo wrestle full time? And I was like, yeah. It's a full-time job. It's yeah. 24-7 type of training, living, eating. Everything yeah. is together, all under the same roof for it's the kind most of part. like you go through an in- internship. Yep. And then you get the job if you're good enough. Right. And then you earn big money if yep. you're great. He also asks, are they compensated? And I said, yes. When you reach the upper divisions, the first two divisions are actually unpaid. Uh, it's full of sumo hopefuls. Jono Kuchi and Joni Don is the the non-paying I'm gonna make it one day, Sumo. Did you say Joni Don? It's J O. I thought it was Jonadon. Oh, Jonadon. It should be Jonadon. Joni Don jo- sounds like a singer. <laughs> From like, or like Joni and Chachi. Totally. Johnny Don. Yeah, Johnny Don. Okay. And then um, I can't get Joni and Chachi out of my mind. 
at Sandame, the wrestlers, that's one level up from there, the wrestlers start to receive an allowance after each tournament in return for chores and things that they would be doing around the stable, like cleaning and cooking, going out for food. And it's about the equivalent of $2,000 plus any prize money they get for winning the bouts of that division. But it's only paid after each tournament, which is every eight weeks. So that ends up being about $250 a week. So that's not much money, but they have seven bouts within the tournament. So they can make a little bit of extra money during that if they happen to win their bout. Yeah, they get some prize money. The Makushita is the next rank up and that's the last rank before actually earning a real salary and they get paid for doing chores as well but these wrestlers often go back and forth between earning money and peanuts then um peanuts like you know earning peanuts for, for oh. money <laughs> you meant they earned actual literal peanuts actual never mind i don't think anybody's throwing peanuts at any sort of sumo wrestler <laughs> but this division is tough because a lot of people sit in this and they go back and forth between jurio which yeah. is the one where you actually get large chunk of change okay. to compete and so if you fall out of jurio then it's like oh you you literally go back to peanuts yeah so, yeah, the next division up is the Sekitori, and that's all the ranks above Makushita. And they're considered professional wrestlers, and they make the equivalent of, get this, about $9,500 U.S. a month. That's, that's pretty great. good. Yeah. That's pretty good. Okay. And they also get prize money, and they're fighting 15 times, so they get twice the amount of times opportunities to make that sweet, sweet cash money at the end of each bout. Okay. And then, 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 then there's the Makauchi, which is the Sanyaku or the title holders. And that's where they exist. That's a very top rank. And they're all compensated very well. The Yokozuna gets about 26000 a month, twenty six five something like that. Ozeki makes about 22000 a month. Uh, Sanyaku, all, the Maigashira get somewhere between twelve five and 16000 I hope I got all those rankings right. I'm not sure if I did. Anyway, that's a lot of money. And bonuses, they also get bonuses. And individuals that sponsor you, you mm -hmm. can take their money, their cash money, mm -hmm. tax-free. Wow. You're only taxed if you get money from corporations because the JSA is not for profit. Interesting, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris also asks, are they freelancers? Are there any? And I would have to say that would fall into the oh. amateur sumo wrestling world where the people are like, yeah, I do sumo on the weekends and at nights. And it's very big. It's a very big thing in Japan and elsewhere. Or, it is here. That would be a freelancer you uh, sumo wrestler. Or, or what I would think of when he's thinking of freelancer, I would think like free agent. Like there's no sumo wrestler coming up without a stable. Right. right? You're not allowed to trade stables yeah you, you have can't to just stick with the one you've chosen at age 15 well not even that you can't show up without a stable right. you can't just show up and say i've been training myself <laughs> you know if you've been doing your sumo squats in your backyard and you feel like you are ready to enter the sumo world as a free agent as a free agent you can't, you can't. just walk up to the door and say <laughs> i am in sign me up right no you have to come from a stable right exactly Chris also asked, he had very, he had quite a few questions. He wow. said, do they have side hustles? And I was like, yeah, they're allowed to do sponsorships for products and do commercials and lend their image to products like Enho's beer commercial. What was that beer for? I can't remember. But anyway, yeah, they can. So it should be noted, though, that they are all well paid once they get up to the higher ranks. But if you compare them to professional baseball players in oh, Japan, sure it's not close. It's nowhere close. Yeah. Baseball players get paid three times the, the amount. Yeah. Well, that's like but football still, players. I would gladly yeah. take a sumo 
salary any day. I'll take a sumo man any day. Yes. <laughs> really? Any of them? Or just maybe, no, no, maybe not any of them. I tend to really like the successful married ones, which is, I wouldn't really want one of I those. I actually think that we should unpack that because yeah. I think that that's a very common trend for a lot of women. <laughs> they want what they can't have. Exactly. successful. Yes. Oh, well, we'll unpack that some other time. What does that mean? <laughs> anyway, I think that that is our style of sumo here at Sumo. Sumo Please tune in again for more info on the sport we love. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you're listening to, please share and spread the word. We've been hearing from so many of you, and it is so awesome to connect with you. Thank you for listening. And thank you for rating us and reviewing us. We love, love, love to read the reviews. Yeah, and keep your questions coming in. If we can't answer them, we'll find somebody else who will. Yeah. So until later, I'm Laurie. And I'm Leslie. Of Sumo Kaboom. Thanks for listening. And sayonara. See y'all later. <laughs>